Hi everyone, this is Carmen Miksha and Sophia Miksha, your hosts of Seeds of Sunshine, a mother-daughter multi-generational podcast filled with laughter, wisdom and advice. Sophia is a sophomore in high school in the IB program, a runner, a piano player and a sister. I have a BA and MA degree in English and have published two poetry books and a tennis book, which you can find on Amazon or on my website, CarmenMixaBooks.com. I am also a marathon runner and the broker CEO of Dynamic Real Estate, my own company. So if you're looking to buy or sell a home with me in the Sacramento or Bay Area regions, please visit my website, DynamicSacramentoHomes.com. Thanks so much for joining us. We promise to sprinkle seeds of sunshine once a week to elevate your lives and dreams through better communication between generations. Hi everyone, Scott Hershowitz, author of Nasty, Brutish and Short, Adventures in Philosophy, with my kids, is Director of Law and Ethics Program. He's also Professor of Law and Philosophy at the University of Michigan. He holds a BA in Philosophy and Politics, from the University of Georgia, a Jewish doctor from Yale Law School, and a doctor of philosophy from the University of Oxford, where he was a Rhodes Scholar. Professor Hershowitz served as a law clerk for Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg of the US Supreme Court. He's married to Julie Kaplan, a social worker whom he met at summer camp. They live in Ann Arbor with their two children, Rex and Hank. And before we start diving in the deep end of philosophy and parenting with you today, uh, Professor Hershowitz, Sophia and I have a joke um, and a quote, which will be a recurring theme for the beginning of all our episodes. And the great thing about it is that we were able to pull them out from your book. Oh, <laughs> yes. And uh, so this is the book, you guys. I just have had so much fun reading it because... The beauty about this book is not just philosophy, it's a lesson in parenting and how to have fun and how to be inquisitive and how to keep that inner child within us, which I really, really loved because it reminded me um, about my French teacher who told me, Carmen, never lose your inner childhood, you know, those inner childhood eyes. And she wrote that to me in French when I was in sixth grade. And I think this is what your book is about, you know, to never lose that questioning ability, those inquisitive eyes. And so let me let me read the joke because it's it's really funny. So you have a conversation in um, um, under punishment, and you go, "Me, why did you take? Why did you pull down your pants in public, kid? Because I wanted to. Me, yeah, but why did you want to, kid? I just did." Me, yeah, but why? What were you trying to accomplish? Kid, I just wanted to. Me, how many times do I have to tell you? Desires are not reasons for action. Kid, okay, boomer, I've read Hume. Me, what? I'm not even a boomer, I'm Gen X. Kid, reason is a slave to my passion, Zoomer. <laughs> the quote that I also really like is that you say in the book, a philosopher is not something that people need, right? But oh, as we all know, we all need to think deeply about anything, really. 
And that's what you point out at the beginning of the book. And I think Sofia has the first question for you. Okay, so the first question is, can you please tell us about the title of your book, which we both think is funny and right on? So the title of the book is Nasty Brutish and Short Adventures in Philosophy with My Kids. The, the title Nasty Brutish and Short comes from a phrase from Thomas Hobbes. Hobbes was a political philosopher who lived through the English Civil War, and he was curious what life would be like without any government at all, and he thought it would be terrible. He thought it would involve a war of everyone against everyone else, and he said that life in that situation, which philosophers call the state of nature, would be solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short. So that phrase has always been a part of my teaching, and then when I had uh, when I had kids, I realized these are also characters that uh, that are nasty, brutish, and short, at least much of the time. You know, I, I also uh, am quick to say my kids are also cute and kind, and I'm uncommonly lucky on that score, and they're more often cute and kind than they are nasty, brutish, and short, but I think that's something all kids have in them. Wonderful. Um, my next question to you is, why is it important to raise kids who ask questions? So I actually think that uh, your kids are going to ask questions, whether you want them to or not. That's just the business little kids are in because they're confused about so many things and there's so much they don't understand the world, about the world. So I think the thing you really want to focus on is helping them hold on to their curiosity, right? Help them to, to grow into teenagers and adults that continue to be um, open inquirers, wanting to understand the world, willing to express their curiosity. And I worry, one of the reasons I wrote the book is that I worry that a lot of adults shut down their kids' curiosity, especially with these deeper, more philosophical questions, because they don't know the answers themselves, or they don't see the point in the inquiry when they don't know the answer or don't think they're going to arrive at an answer. And so it's not, it's not so much about encouraging your kids to ask questions. It's about, um, it's about encouraging them the, in, the, in the inquiry and in, in trying to find answers uh, so that they hold on to that curiosity. Absolutely. I agree because, as you say in your book, every kid, every single one is a philosopher. And, and I think that's a, a universal message about your book because all parents are going to be able to relate to that. Like, I can tell you so many beautiful things our kids said, you know, and now when I tell them back, they're like, okay, mom, you told us this so many times, right? <laughs> yeah, I get a lot of that in my house too. Uh, that's one of the reasons I wrote the stories down. So I'll have them and they'll have them for the future, but I don't have to keep, uh, keep repeating them to them constantly. <laughs> that is wonderful. Um, and speaking about questions, um, have Rex and Hank ever asked any questions that really stumped you? Yeah, so people ask me this all the time and the answer is, is yes, absolutely. I mean, so some of the questions that are discussed in the book, like how big is the universe or does God exist? Those are questions that I don't take myself to know the answer to. I have you know, views about some of them and, and others I'm just um, uncertain. But, uh, you know, uh, those are questions that I was able to sort of put into a philosophical framework and have a conversation with them. That's one of the advantages of being in the business I'm in is I've, you know, heard these questions before and I've had conversations with students about them. Uh, you know, I, I suspect that they also ask questions that just left me totally puzzled. Like, what is it that you're even wondering? Because I hear those questions from parents all the time when I tell them about this project. 
and I just don't remember them because I didn't I didn't know when I was writing this book. I mean, sorry, I didn't know when I was raising when I when these kids were really little that I was going to write this book. So I wasn't keeping as exhaustive track of all the wonderful questions and uh, and conversations that we had. So when I finally had the idea for the book, uh, it was really sort of my wife and I sitting down trying to to recall as much as we could about the conversations that we'd had with our kids. So when did this idea for the book come? into your mind and you're like, I'm going to sit down and write this book. Yeah, it came in stages. So not long after I had kids, maybe when Rex was one, I noticed that I was starting to talk about him a lot in my class. So if we were having a conversation, say I teach a philosophy in a law school, if we were having a conversation about punishment, then I might begin my class about by telling my, my students about something that Rex had done and then asking them how they thought we uh, to respond. And that was a way of getting them engaged in a conversation about the purposes of punishment that they were super excited about. Rex usually did funny things and everyone could relate to the story. And we didn't have to start with the philosophy that we'd read or the legal opinions that we'd looked at. We'd have this fun conversation before we transitioned. And that just worked so well, I would do it all the time. Right. In a conversation about authority, we talk about how the fact that like kids like to say you're not the boss of me and they don't <laughs> understand why their parents get to tell them what to do. And so, uh, you know, we'd start there before we would think about the legal system and why the government has authority or whether the government really does have authority over our lives. And eventually, you know, I realized it doesn't just work with my students. These kinds of conversations, my colleagues are enjoying them, too. And at some point, the light bulb clicked that, well, maybe there's something to do with a broader audience here, that I could take these stories, which are fun and funny, and also raise these serious, deep issues and use that as a way of bringing philosophy to a broader group of people. Wonderful. Um, in the book, you say that, you know, kids, once they start getting older, they kind of lose that philosophical inquiry. And I think Sophia has a question for you. Yeah. Yeah. So, um... What are three ways to recapture the magic of being a philosopher at any age? Oh, that's that's a really great question. Three ways to, well, one would be to read this book um, because part of what I want to convey to people is that philosophy is fun and it's frequently funny. And so, um, uh, you know, it doesn't just have to be dry and boring and academic. I think when it's done really well, it's really engaging and, and 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 i'll say not just don't just read my book there's lots of really wonderful philosophers um that write um accessible and fun books so uh there's a book by aaron james which i just adore he's a philosopher at uc irvine who wrote a book called assholes a theory um which is about um it's about assholes and why we find them so bothersome asking what they are and why are they mostly men and what can we do about them and it's a really wonderful work of philosophy. It's also fun and personally illuminating. Um, and then there's other uh, really terrific philosophers writing for wide audiences, Nigel Warburton and Amiya um, Srinivasan and Kate Mann. So I think look for philosophy that's, um, that's, that's written with a, with a broad audience in mind. That's a really great way of getting engaged. I'll also, for, for my second, um, my second, I recommend a podcast. It's a really wonderful podcast produced by Slate called Hi-Fi Nation. Um, which is uh, philosophy through stories. So similar to the idea of nasty, brutish, and short, but a wider range of stories. It's produced by Barry Lamb at Vassar College. And I think of it as This American Life, 
but every episode is going to raise philosophical questions. So I would listen to Hi-Fi Nation. And then the third thing I'd say is find something that you're really wondering about and, and talk to a friend about it, right? So I think that philosophy requires you to disconnect a little bit, um, not to spend your time on Twitter or TikTok, but, um, you know, to, uh, to unplug and have a conversation. And it could be something serious, like, um, you know, what do you value in life? What are you after? What are the most important things to you, right? Or it could be something like frivolous and fun. Like my kids, I think these are like internet memes, but they're really questions in philosophy. They've been arguing about whether hot dogs are sandwiches and whether cereal is soup. And I think these are actually really phenomenal questions. They require you to get clear about like just what soup is. And when you do that, you're kind of exercising the the parts of your brain that are important for doing philosophy wow sophia do you have a view is 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 soups is cereal soup <laughs> i don't think it's a soup you, you but why not um i'm not sure it's like you can eat cereal without milk so then it just blends. okay but if we but if we if we prepare cereal with milk have we made a soup can you walk into the kitchen and say I'm going to make some soup. And then what you do is you put like the Cheerios in a bowl with some milk and you say, here's my soup. Um, there's definitely different perspectives that you can look at it with. But a soup to me is like something that's like cooked. Like it has like a broth that's like cooked. Has a broth. Yeah, it's a really interesting yeah. idea. I mean, there are some chilled soups that are made cold. So I wonder if we could figure out like what a broth is. But in any event, Sophia and I yeah. were just like at the beginning of a philosophical conversation. I think that um, people don't often realize um, that they're doing philosophy. So I'll give you one more similar example. If, if you're having an argument about, say, who the best basketball player is, you know, people like to debate, you know, is it Michael Jordan? Is it LeBron James? Or who the best tennis player is? You know, is it, you know, Serena Williams or Rafa Nadal? Right. Those are philosophical conversations because you're trying to figure out, like, what are the excellences involved in basketball or the excellences involved in tennis? And to what degree to do these people exhibit them? Um, so I think philosophy is everywhere and, and you can have fun with it. Oh, we love that. We absolutely love that. I agree. I think we have these um, conversations every day. It's just that people don't realize they are philosophizing every day. And and it's, it's, it's very interesting to know. And you actually know when you're in a deeper conversation, when you transcend that um, common everyday you know, but what you showed us, you can actually use a common everyday question and get into philosophy. That's part of the reason that um, that I enjoy the field so much is that you can usually find the really deep, difficult, challenging questions that philosophers have wrestled with for hundreds or thousands of years present in your life. If you just look around, you'll see that you sometimes grapple with the same issues. Yes, absolutely. Um, and so another question I have for you is you actually draw in your book um, on, on the work uh, of deep bench philosophers, both contemporary and classic. Was that a conscious choice? If so, why? Yeah, so 
when we were talking to publishers about this book, some of them said, oh, like, it'd be really great if people could read this book and then you'd bring them up to speed on what Plato and Aristotle and Kant and Hume have to say. And some of those famous philosophers appear in this book, but I, I told them that's not really what I want to do because first, there are other books out there that are like that. I mentioned Nigel Warburton before, who's written this really wonderful book called A Little History of Philosophy. So if, if people really want to get up to speed on like what have the great historical philosophers said, there's lots of places to look. But the second thing is, I think of, as I just said, philosophy is something that's alive and it's present in our lives. And there's really wonderful philosophers working today on issues that are really important to us. And I wanted to introduce some of those philosophers to a broader audience and convey to people that philosophy is a living, um, is a living activity. And so, you know, just to, to highlight a couple of the people that I talk about in the book, there's a chapter on sex, gender, and sports. And the, the central thinkers in that chapter include um, Jane English, who was uh, a really phenomenal philosopher who died tragically young when she was climbing the Matterhorn. She was also a really talented amateur athlete who won 10Ks in her age group. And another um, really phenomenal athlete, Angela Schneider, who won a silver medal in the Olympics in rowing and then became a philosopher of sport. And they have really interesting, fascinating things to say about sex equality, particularly in the context of sports that I think can help us get a grip on some of the controversial issues that are in the news today, like should trans women be eligible to play women's sports? I think the answer to that question is yes. And I think by reading some of these contemporary philosophers, we can really um, understand those issues in a deeper way. And so I wanted to, to show people just how much, just like how many cool people and how much exciting is happening in the field of philosophy at the moment. Thank you so much. I, I agree with you. And we are really running out of time. But before you leave, at the end of each episode, we want to give our listeners seeds of sunshine, something uplifting, something inspiring. So what are the seeds of sunshine from you to our listeners? Oh, so, I mean, I'll stay on brand. I think it's little kids um, that, uh, you know, they just bring so much joy and wonder to the world. And I um, find it really hard to interact with a little kid and not come away happier than I did before. And so whether you, if you've got kids of your own, that's great. And if not, find your friends that have kids and have a conversation, get down on their level. And I mean that like physically, like look them in the eye and talk to them about things and it will leave you in a better mood than you were before. I absolutely agree. And be, before we let you go, um, how can people buy your book and how can they keep in touch with you on social media or how can they find you? Sure. Yeah. So you can buy the book wherever books are sold. It's on Amazon and bookshop.org where you can direct proceeds to your favorite independent bookstore and Barnes and Noble. And it's, you know, so pretty much anywhere you look that sells books, uh, chances are you can find Nasty Brewish in short. I'm uh, most active on Twitter, um, but, uh, but you can get in touch with me on Twitter and on Instagram. And, uh, and I always love to hear from people that are, that are reading the book. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on our show. We really appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for having me. This is terrific. Yes. Thank you so much. Wishing you lots of philosophical moments with your kids. Continue on. Maybe you do a um, 
philosophy for teenagers next or whatever, like a sequel. <laughs> I'm, I'm working on it. We'll see what comes next. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Seeds of Sunshine is a proud supporter of Sacramento Youth Center and 50% of your donations are going directly to our local branch. To contribute and support our podcast, please use the coffee app, which you can find in our show notes. It is greatly appreciated. Wishing you a great week full of sunshine. Thanks so much for listening, sharing, and reviewing our podcast wherever you listen to. And if you have some great wisdom and advice and wish to be a guest on Seeds of Sunshine, please message me on social media at Carmen Mixa, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And last but not least, remember that we will have a monthly drawing for cool prizes to reward our top listeners and supporters who share and review Seeds of Sunshine. Goodbye for now.